Ephesians chapter 6. Y'all good? You glad you came to church on a Wednesday night? It says this, uh, um, verse 14, Ephesians 6. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. And if you remember last week, we left off with having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so I want to give you this scripture, Romans chapter 10. And they don't have my notes up there, so they might be a little bit behind. But Romans chapter 10, verse 15. Romans chapter 10, verse 15 says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. So here it is again. You see shoes, you see, and the gospel of peace, and bring glad tidings to the, to, of good things. So number one, the gospel is known as the gospel of peace. And the reason is, and remember here, you see it again, you see shoes of peace. What is that about? Well, there's two kinds of peace. Number one, there's the gospel of peace. That is peace with God. Everybody needs peace with God. You can never have the peace of God until you have peace with God. And peace with God is salvation. And so the gospel of peace is a preaching of God's not angry with you. God's not mad at you. God's not against you. Jesus took all of that. Jesus took all of that, and so, uh, and remember, Jesus did what? Because of his death, resurrection, burial, and ascension, that the wall of the Holy of Holies, even on the earth, remember the, the, the veil was rent in twain from top to bottom, saying that we have access to God. God is now our Father, and we have access to him, and he's not mad at you. I know there used to be a famous thing, you don't want to fall into the hands of an angry God, and they were preaching that to believers. Well, that's for a sinner, uh, and the deal is you and I are not sinners, and God's not mad at you. He's for you. How could he be mad at someone he made righteous? Amen? So, so one part of peace is peace uh, of God, uh, peace with God, and now the peace of God. And so we left off. Remember the last thing we talked about? Uh, I know you don't, so I'm going to tell you. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. Remember they were on the boat, and they were going to deliver the man at Gadarenes. Uh, they didn't know that, but suddenly a storm came up. And in Luke chapter um, 5, uh, let's see, what did I say? Luke chapter... 4, verse 39. Luke 4, 39, it says, And he arose and rebuked the wind, and he said, Peace, be still. Remember that sudden storm came up. I believe if you study that out, it was a demonic storm. I believe uh, the devil didn't want Jesus there, and they were doing everything. Remember what the disciples say, Don't you care? We're about to die here. Remember that? And a lot of things that, you know, and so unfortunately the apost future apostles, uh, they began to say things that, that the devil loves for people to say. Because when you got something bad going on in your life, the devil always tries to get you to blame God. One of Brother e, uh, Kenneth E. Hagin's little books that is really powerful, really important is don't blame God. One of the things that you and I do, uh, it, it, we got to be careful because the devil gets behind it and pushes. When things aren't going right, the first thing he wants you to do is blame God. Remember Job's, Job's wife, what did she say? She said, you just need to curse God and die. Right? So, so it's tricky, but it's really one of the things that the devil loves the most is when Christians blame God for something that the devil does. So we're not blaming God for anything. If anything, you know, humans are so funny. They're so funny, uh, especially religious ones, because everything, you know, they say, well, everything is God's doing. Everything is God's doing. And, and, the, and then, one of the, you know, they think, well, he's sovereign. He does everything. And yet uh, they won't acknowledge, because that's a way to not have to acknowledge that they've done something wrong. How I many you know in everything there's a God side and a man side? 
God's side, he's the only one that can do it, but your side is to believe. And one of the things you need to believe is that he has made peace with you and that he wants you to have his peace. So what I wanted you to see about this weapon is, uh, you know, uh, most of the weapons, I don't want people talk about how the sword of the spirit is the offensive weapon, but these shoes, this peace can be an offensive weapon. Because remember, even the Roman soldier on the underneath was these spikes and they used those spikes to finish off the enemy. How many know the enemy's under your feet? One of the ways to keep the enemy under your feet is to walk in peace. Because, see, when you get out of peace and you get into fear and you get into worry, when I get it, you know, I come from a world champion warriors. I was taught to worry from a little boy. Uh, my mamma, I love her, but she taught us how to worry, and she was the best at it. And um, I'm just telling you that uh, when you begin to get into worry, you allow yourself to get into fear, and fear is a spirit. And when you do, just like the, you remember, uh, Peter was walking on the water. What happened? He saw the wind boisterous, and he grew afraid. And you cannot have fear and walk by faith. Well, I, I just believe a little fear is healthy. You believe wrong. No fear. Remember, God told Joshua, He said, Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Over and over, He commanded him, Fear not. Right? So I know the world thinks a little dab will be okay, but a little dab won't be okay. A little dab will cause you to sink, a little dab will get you into doubt. A little dab of fear or worry. Well, I believe worrying about some things is healthy. You know, if you around people and they say, I don't believe you'd worry about anything, then you have arrived. If you got people mad at you because you won't worry, then you have arrived. But we're all, we're going there. So, well, you know, worrying means you don't care. Exactly. Worry means you don't care. Well, well, we got to care because something's bad's going. You can have empathy and you can believe with them, but you don't need to worry with them. You don't need to be afraid with them. You need to actually get them out of that and not join them. Well, the Bible says weep with those who weep, but it didn't say fear with those who fear. It didn't say to doubt with those who doubt. Are you with me? This is big. The, the, the shoes of peace are very big. Peace is a very important part of your armor against the enemy. And the devil today, I think this is a really big one because in the things that are going on out there that try to get in here, it's fear. It's fear. The devil is a fear motivator. And anytime you hear someone motivating with fear, they are not from God. Are you sure about that? Period, end of story. They are not of God. Because God does not motivate with fear. Praise the Lord. He can warn. When God warns and he brings up something. Remember the prophet Agabus? You remember him? He said there's a drought coming. But anytime God brings a warning on something, he also brings an answer. God's never going to warn you of something with a dream over and over again and you wake up afraid. That's not a dream from God. When you wake up, you should rebuke it. Because if it was a dream from God, he would tell you what's going to happen and he would tell you how to prepare and he would tell you how to get out of it. Or you would wake up knowing what to do to speak to it. You wouldn't wake up afraid. Are you with me? That was just extra for somebody who needed it. Probably nobody in the room, but somebody watching. Listen to me. I'm telling you, God does not play with fear. 
He told us to get rid of it. It's a spirit. And you open the door by worry. I open the door. Listen, I'm, I'm an expert on this. I worried so much when I was a little boy that I put myself in a hospital. I get this one. Do I have to fight it today? Yep. What's the answer? Peace. It manifests, since we're not going to get very far, we might as well just talk about some things to help somebody out. Um, Because it's interesting that if you don't have peace, then fear is there. And anxiety also comes with it. Someone who's afraid of something also is anxious all the time. Have you ever driven with somebody who's afraid to drive? I remember this lady in our church. She had to take me somewhere. She's a precious woman. Oh, so precious. And I loved her so much. And um, she, she had been in many accidents. And, I, you know, I didn't really know it at the time. But I got in a car with her. And you could just tell because those, the 10 and the, you know, what are the 10 and the 2? But the, the, the knuckles were gripped, man. And, um, and I mean, and she was on, she, and I don't know, from getting from here to there, we was like three, four times. All, I remember under my breath, oh, I mean, I was rebuking and stuff. But later I find out she was just afraid to drive. She was afraid she was going to get in an accident. All the time. She drove with fear. And when you do that, what happens? You invite things. Fear is a spirit. First, someone say, fear is not a spirit. Well, tell the Lord that. He said, God's not giving you a spirit of fear. It's spiritual. It's of the devil. It's one of his main weapons. And what, what brings it? Worry. That's why he said, uh, you know, don't be anxious about anything, casting the weight, all of your cares on the Lord. So I, I get this one. I mean, I had to get past it. It was so bad that I was always so anxious and afraid. And in, in one way, it drove me. And in some ways, it drove me to a good thing, I thought. Um, it's how I motivated myself through high school and college to get really good grades. It's how I motivated myself, you know, at work and things like that. But, it, but eventually, that kind of stuff is unproductive. And it gets to you. And, uh, you know, I got to the place that I was anxious all the time, so anxious. You've heard me say this before, but I had to have music on. I had to have a TV on. I had to have commotion around me so that I couldn't, wouldn't have to be alone with myself. But when I got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and I began to walk in this peace, I could sit there for a half an hour and just do nothing. And really, people don't think I, but I could think about nothing. I could just be totally clear. People say, no, you can't. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. You can, you can think about nothing? Well, you know, I, can, I don't explain it. I think it was just part of my deliverance. I can literally think about, and you don't understand, my mind can go. I live in the future. I live in the future. I pastor in the future. So much so the Lord has to, but, but you have to be very careful to understand that fear is nothing to play with and you can get delivered from it. Well, I'm afraid of this or I'm afraid of that. I remember, um, I'll just say, you've probably heard the story, Brother Copeland. Well, you remember when those elevators on the outside and they used to shoot up really fast? They're really fast. Um, he said that uh, uh, he, he felt his, cur- his toes curl within his shoe- shoes and he got afraid. And everybody got off the elevator and they're like, We're, this is our floor. And he said, nope. He said, I, I got something to work on. And so he just rode the elevator up and down, up and down, up and down. Well, that's just silly. 
Nope, he just wasn't going to allow any kind of fear in his life whatsoever. And I think he does all right. I think he understands faith. Right? Do you understand faith? No fear. Well, I'm just afraid. I'm gonna, if you hear yourself say, I'm just afraid I'm going to lose my job. You need to answer that. Well, I'm just afraid my kid. You need to answer that. Well, I'm just afraid. You need to answer it. It may have come out, but you better answer it. Don't ever let that kind of stuff have the last word in your life. Amen. Well, I don't know if I'm helping you, but I'm helping me real well. So he said, peace, be still. What happened to the storm? But remember what they were saying. You don't care. You don't care. And so that's, that's, that's the voice of the enemy. You don't care. Don't you care that we die? Of course God cares. He cares about everything. So he spoke to it. And it was stilled. And then we left off. I guess we're just reviewing tonight. Hallelujah. Uh, Romans 16.20. Put up Romans 16.20, King James. Romans 16.20. This verse, I told you, confounded me morning, noon, and night, every time I'd read it. It says, And the God of peace will bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Now, when I see the word shortly, I think in a little while. And that always confounded me as a man I taught all the time on the authority of the believer. And I teach from this perspective of what? That Jesus has already won the victory. Um, There is no more future for the devil. He has been defeated in the past. How many know that Jesus destroyed the works of the devil? Colossians 2.15. Ephesians chapter 1, that he's seated above them. And so when I would read this, it would bother me. Because shortly to me meant future to me. But, um, you know, I, I got a hold of that book. Like I said, Rick Renner's Dressed to Kill. Are you all excited Rick's coming? Woo, brother Rick's coming. I'm so excited. Lord, don't let me act like a groupie. All right. Romans 16, 20. It says, uh, I'm going to do it out of the Renner interpretive version, the RIV. The God of peace will smash and completely obliterate Satan under your feet. If Satan tries to, uh, to get in your way or block your path, then it's time for you to act like a soldier. Lift your feet high, stomp and pound down hard, crushing the enemy under your feet and leaving him in a heap, trampled beyond recognition as you march on. Woo! Everybody say march on. So what, so, so what is the deal here? So shortly is a military term. For marching. Now, how can you prove that? Well, I personally can't. I just trust this guy. Uh, he, is, he is a scholar, and he, he has a way, and I don't think. It, that's the only thing, though, when I read it that makes sense. It can't be in the future. Can it be in the future? Has the devil already been defeated? Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's in my future. The devil's winning right now. No, he's not. He's not winning right now. Well, yeah, he is. I can show you. No, you can't. You show me that you've won by what the word says. Because you're going by a feeling. You're going by a circumstance. We got to go by the word. So I just like this so much, I'm going to read it again. Hallelujah. The God of peace will smash and completely obliterate Satan under your feet. Everybody say obliterate. Woo! If Satan tries to get in your way or block your path, then it's time for you to act like a soldier. Everybody say, I'm a soldier. You're in, the, you're in the Lord's army, aren't you? Then lift your feet high, stomp, and pound down hard, crushing the enemy under your feet and leaving him in a heap, trampled beyond recognition as you march on. Everybody shout, march on. Woo, hallelujah. All right, let's talk about this. Let's just talk about 
some things that keep peace away. I guess we might do this again another Wednesday night. I was trying to at least limit everything, every piece of armor to two weeks, but we'll just follow the Holy Ghost and get everything. Because uh, I'm not going to apologize for um, the, the manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Uh, so let's look at this. Let's look at the, one of the best scriptures in the Bible, Psalms 37, 37. Let's look at are you Oh, dear. She said, oh, dear. Psalms 30. Let's read it from the King James because it's the best translation of this. Hallelujah. Mark. Oh, come on, put this one up. We'll wait. We'll wait. We want everybody to see this. <laughs> Psalms 37, 37. Mark, the perfect man. <laughs> and behold the upright. So what's this talking about? It's not talking, it's talking about righteousness. The perfect man is a righteous man. An upright person in the Old Testament was talking about righteousness. Watch this. For the end of that man is peace. I was praying today, noon prayer, and I prayed out just one little phrase or a little bit of it. That the, again, and, and you can see it. I can see it when I preach on it, when I pre, uh, taught on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is a subject for very right now. You have got to understand that you have been made righteous. You don't earn your righteousness. Your righteousness doesn't grow. You are righteous because you're born again. It is your position. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin. You became righteous. And then, then from that place, you produce fruits of righteousness. But your righteousness does not grow. I know that troubles some people. You're as righteous as you're ever going to be the moment you got born again. Your righteousness, now listen and don't get messed up. Your righteousness does not depend on your action. Your righteousness is a position. But your righteous position will change your actions. Okay, it's not my subject. Mark the perfect man, mark the righteous. It's it's not mark a person. It's, you know, take note of a man who is upright. For the end of that man is peace. Peace. So your righteousness, so, so someone who doesn't understand their righteousness won't be able to walk in peace. That's the peace with God. Because, see, someone who doesn't understand their righteousness, they're always trying to earn something. Now, we believe in good works around here. Because it's Wednesday night. I know all of you serve at least one or two places in the church. Praise the Lord. That's my faith confession, and I will not change it. And so y'all serve. And so, but your service to God does not bring peace. There are other rewards for that. I can never, if I worked in five, five areas of the church, and I worked every Sunday and every Wednesday, and I went with the outreach team, and I went on every missions trip, that is not going to uh, get you peace. Your understanding of that you've been made righteous will bring you peace. So therefore, if I never have peace, one of the areas I would first tell you to look at is do you understand your righteousness? Do you understand that everything's right between you and God because you're born again? Are you with me? Isaiah 48, 18. Isaiah 48, 18. Isaiah 48, 18. Are you glad you came on Wednesday night? Isaiah 48, 18. Oh, that thou hast hearkened to my commandments. Then had your peace been as a river and your righteousness as waves of the sea. So this begins, I know this is Isaiah, but it's prophesying forward. You could say, if you would hearken to my word, and hearken means to hear and to do. If you would be a hearer and a doer of my word, then you would have 
peace like a river and your righteousness as the waves of the sea. In other words, you'd be experiencing the fruit of your righteousness. But I want you to see that as I hearken to the word of God, then I'll have peace like a river. Peace will just be flowing through me. So I have to be a hearer and a doer of the word. So if I don't do the word, I can be born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, be able to speak in tongues and rhyme, be able to do lots of different things. But if I don't keep doing the word and hearkening diligently into the word of God, then then my peace will go away because I'm not apprehending it. I'm not walking in it. All right? Jesus said, he said, in this world you're going to have tribulation, but cheer up. I, I, my peace I leave you. Right? I think I might have just put th- two or three scriptures together. But John 14, 27 says, peace I leave you. My peace I leave you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Neither let your heart be troubled. Never let it be afraid. Never let it be afraid. Your heart, never let it be afraid because I have peace for it. And so how do I keep, so, so since Jesus left me his peace and these are shoes of peace and this is a weapon that I've got to have in my life and on me at all times if I'm going to walk in victory. The shoes represent the devil is under my head and I'm crushing him shortly like I'm in the military and I've got to keep the devil and the circumstances under my feet. So if I'm going to keep them under my feet, I've got to sit down. I've got to be seated in heavenly places far above. And how do I stay there? Well, number one, I'm going to realize that I'm righteous. And if I'm righteous then, and I'm upright, then the, uh, the end of that man is peace. I'm also going to be a doer of the word. And I'm going to hear it. I'm going to do it. And then the Bible says that you're going to have peace. And then i got to do something with my mind. Romans 8, 6. Romans 8, 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, I know everybody didn't understand this, and I throw this out all the time. I believe positionally you have the mind of Christ. I believe when you get born again, you have the mind of Christ. In other words, his thoughts can become your thoughts. You have the mind of Christ. But you got to do something with this mind. And having the mind of Christ is not just something you confess over your mind and you're okay because I have the, I have the mind of Christ. No, you've got to renew this mind. The mind of Christ, I believe, is on the inside of you. But this mind, you got to do something with. And the Bible is very clear. To be carnally minded is what? Death. But if you're spiritually minded, in other words, you take the time to renew your mind, that, that brings you peace. So again, a born-again believer who Jesus has left peace to, who has put shoes on him, the gospel of peace, who has given him the ability for Satan to be under his feet. But if you and I are carnally minded, and listen, if you've ever learned anything about renewing your mind, it's not what you did yesterday that counts. Been doing this a long time, y'all, and one of the things the Lord harps on me the most is renewing my own mind. Because, see, I can put out a daily bread for you. I can do this. I can do that. I can prepare sermons. But I still have to read the Bible. I still have to meditate on the Bible. I still have to wash my own mind. And you got to wash yours. And you and I are touching things out there with our mind and our thought. You've really got to take the word and almost like a cloth, you got to wash it out. And if you don't, then you're going to be carnally minded. What is carnally minded? It's just sensual. It's thinking of the things of this earth. It's thinking like they think. It's thinking like you once thought. A lot of people get born again and even filled with the Holy Ghost and they don't ever change their thought life. The Bible says you've got to think on things that are pure, holy, lovely, and true. In other words, I heard Brother Keith say this one time, you need to put a bouncer. Y'all, come on, y'all. You know what a bouncer is, right? I know you never went to a club, but there's a bouncer at the club door, right? And, 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 and if your name's not on the list, you don't get in, right? Well, you got a list. Is that pure? 
Is it ugly? Ugly things, ugly thoughts can't get in here. That's got to be pure. It's got to be holy. Right? So, so your bouncer says, no, you can't come in here. And so you and I have to keep our thoughts on him. And we know what thoughts we're supposed to have. So the Bible says this. It says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Isaiah 26.3. It says, if you'll keep your mind stayed on him. Right? He will keep you in perfect peace. Not just peace, perfect peace. Peace, peace. God's peace. Now listen, I'm going to remind you one more time. Peace is not what the world calls peace. What do they call peace? Peace means all the circumstances are all, all the ducks in a row. Everything is fine. I'm happy. I, I'm, I'm content. That's, that's not God's peace. Because you can have God's peace while everything's crazy. And you better learn how to live there and not be moved. Oh, it's easy to preach. I'm standing up right now. That's easy to preach and to say. But I, I got to do it too because I can get moved just like you get moved. The things that irritate you, they can try to irritate me as well. Five minutes in the news and I'm ready to yell at somebody. He keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is vacationing, coming every once in a while. When, when you need something, whose mind is stayed. Well, how in the world do you do that? I got to do my job. You can walk and chew gum at the same time. You can keep your mind stayed on him. You can think about him internally. When something comes up, the Holy Ghost can help you. He can strengthen you. But when, you, when your mind is stayed on him, he keeps you in perfect peace. Psalms 119, 165 says this, great peace have they which love the law, and nothing shall offend them. Hallelujah. Come on, we could camp here. The Lord's been dealing with me about everybody in the church. Are again, we may have a refresher course. Everybody needs it every once in a while. I mean offense. Really, offense is everywhere. Man, it's so easy to get offended. And it, Jesus clearly said to us that if you have ought or offense against your brother, your faith's not going to work. And if you're offended with somebody, your authority, your faith and your authority against the devil uh, who brought the offense is not going to work. I mean, uh, so it says great peace have they which love the law. Or we could say, um, I love the word. The word is first place in my life. And it says, and nothing shall, because if I walk in this peace, then, then <laughs> there's nothing anyone can do to offend you. It's often said like this. I think Pastor Rhonda says it this way. Um, you, you don't have to take the offense. People can be offensive. An offense can come, but you get to choose whether you take it or not. The devil's begging you to take it. Sometimes offense is irrational. That's when you know the devil's working hard. That's the vain imagination stuff. I mean, why is offense so bad? Why, was it, why does offense mess with your peace so much? Well, offense is so dangerous. You know, Hebrews says that, you know, when that offense comes, it becomes a root of bitterness. You ever been anybody who's bit, around anybody who's bitter? They ain't happy unless you're bitter with them. 
Because the Bible says that root of bitterness grows up and then there's seeds with that and they defile. Defile, that's the word for rape. That means an innocent person has now just been spewed upon with your offense. How can you tell if someone has a root of bitterness? They're angry. They um, are critical, very judgy. They make no sense because they've been enraged. They're enraged. And they spew. And you and I have to be careful. Can we minister to someone like that? Yeah. I believe the love of God shed abroad in our hearts can help uproot that root of bitterness. We don't want to just leave people there. But you've got to be aware. I don't, you've got to put a shield on as you go to help them. Because, you know, the Bible says to restore those, but make sure that sin that's on them doesn't get off on you. And I think this really applies. Is, uh, it, I understand that sometimes we need to listen to people, family and friends that we're close to as they um, all over us. And sometimes you just need to let people talk it out. But you've got to be very careful that you do not let that get off on you. Because it's defiling. And when you get a root of bitterness, so this is the deal. If I love the law, so how do I keep from getting bitter? How do I keep from getting offended? I'm a lover and a doer of the word of God. And then nothing, that's a big statement, y'all. Nothing shall offend you. How can, I, I, how can you and I tell if we're not loving the word of God, if we're not putting it first place? Then it's just a lot easier to get offended, even if you know better. If you know better. And listen, this is really what happens. I'll let the love walk teacher teach you on this. But if someone's spewing stuff in you, I don't have time to teach them this, but they really do have the grace to get over it. It's in my book about grace. They have the grace to get over it. But it was never your offense. So it's really actually harder for you that you've taken someone else's offense to get over that offense. Because it was not your offense. You took it because they defiled you. So help people, love on people, but don't, don't get offended with them. Why? Because you need your faith to work. Amen? And you need to stay clean. And this is soil. And you don't want to only put any rocks and boulders that you took a lot of time to get out. You can't put that in me. You can't put that in me. Amen? Woo, Hallelujah. Well, what shall we do? We'll do this one. Romans 15, 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy. Romans 15, 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy. I just love this verse. Don't you love this verse? Now the God of hope. Come on. A, a confident expectation of your future. Hope is not a bad word. Hope, a Bible hope is a good word. That means you've believed something. Because you believe something, now you're in hope. I know people teach it opposite. They say, well, first you hope, then you believe. No, you believe something, then you have Bible hope. Because now you have a joyful, confident expectation of what you believe for is coming. Now the God of hope, so I believe something, fill you with all joy. Well, that sounds like when you believe something, you have joy and peace. Oh, it's interesting. That's good. We, we've been talking about joy and peace tonight. And thanksgiving. Hallelujah. In believing. Everybody say, I believe. I believe. 
that you may abound in this joyful, confident expectation through the power of the Holy Ghost. So these shoes of peace are very important. And when you and I walk in peace, uh, we can... um, we can fend off the devil at every turn because when you're walking in peace, when you're sitting in peace, when you, you have your shoes of peace on and he's under your feet, that there is really not anything the devil can do because he, he's just going to stay under your feet. So guard your mind, guard your heart, let, it, let the peace of God garrison, guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus so that you can walk in victory every time. Amen.